Welcome to the Future Church Podcast with Anthony Delaney. If this podcast helps you, forward it to others, give us a review and subscribe today. For additional thoughts and resources, visit anthonydelaney.com. Well, I've just spent some time already talking with my friend Rich Robinson as part of the Future Church Podcast, and I want to welcome you today. This is where I um, pick the brains of people who are going to help us to be able to think into the future of the church. And we've already started with some amazing people, one of whom I know is one of your best friends, who's Alan Hirsch, and we learned so much from him. I've known of Rich for many years um, because I've seen him featuring in all kinds of things in the circles of the places I'm thinking and and I know that he's worked with some great people over the years that I re- uh, respect and admire a lot and he can talk about some of that to be honest with you when the first you know you form a mental picture like you know with somebody on the radio and then you meet them I kind of in my head thought Rich was uh, like a um, a little guy probably about my age and fairly overweight that was i don't know why but that's what was going on in my head and then we we meet up and he turns out to be way younger than i expected for all the stuff that he's done and um and even better than i hoped and we've been able to meet and connect and do some stuff together in terms of coaching some leaders and i've always just loved to learn from you mate and uh and looking forward to being able to do so today on the future church podcast so welcome Oh, thanks for having me. It's great. It's exciting to be here. Looking forward to it. Great stuff. So, I mean, fill me in a little bit, because I don't think we've, I mean, I don't think we've ever had the kind of tell me your story thing. And um, and, and just to help me and other people who are are connecting with this, to be able to um, get a little insight into you and your story. And actually, I'm going to give it you in the form of the hero's journey, if that works, because I know from the 5Q and the places you're involved with, you guys love the hero's journey and all of that kind of hero with a thousand faces and Joseph Campbell stuff. And, and, um, and so if, if that was like the story of your life or even like the movie of your life of Rich Robinson so far, um, what would the story look like? What's your hero's journey been so far? Who's, who's been the, you know, what's the quest that you've set out on? What have been some of the troubles along the way? Who've been the Yodas? Who've been the people that have equipped you so far in some of those things? And most importantly, who would you get to play you? Who would you cast as Rich Robinson if you, uh, if, if you had your pick of Hollywood? Yeah, well, that, that was, that's one of the hardest questions I've been asked. I, I spent this morning thinking, who would that be? Um, <laughs> I, I think I would go for Michael B. Jordan, where there's pretty pretty small levels of similarity in terms of look, but yeah. I I think I think he's awesome. So I, I would go for Michael B. Jordan. Um, I so I became a Christian twenty something years ago. So I'm in my in my early forties now, and the the normality for me was I, I grew up with latent Christian values, but no overt Christian sort of engagement. So my, my gran who died during COVID had a hundred, um, knew Jesus for 96 years, prayed for me every day of my life. So an absolute hero of the faith. And so it, it was there, but not there. And so I grew up as teenage boy, sport everything that teenage boys do and chase after and, and at university just uh, really bumped into 
playing sport, a couple of guys played in the football team who were just different. And it was sort of inspiring, intriguing and frustrating mm. all at once. Different worldview, just something about them. And so that was the place of sort of displacement for me that I just stumbled into. There wasn't any sort of nights of deep searching or sort of questions and yearning there was just this sort of attraction engagement sort of there's something about you that I like and and so I what I now know it's easier to join the dots backwards than it is to, to look forwards I now know with hindsight that I sort of stumbled into two or three guys that were incarnational missionaries they loved football loved Jesus at mm. university in a missional community with young adults sharing their faith with sportsmen and women at uni and and came to faith through a combination of sort of missional community hospitality alpha videos friendship late night conversations on the coach and and so i found myself thrust really as i came to faith into this missional culture so at st thomas's church in sheffield and came to faith one week and started kind of signed myself up to the process of doing inner city kids and youth week kind of work the week after. So I'm, I'm an instinctive activist. Mm. And so those first few years was sort of thrust into this wonderful, intentional, inspirational, challenging, missional culture where it, where it really was, you, you sort of, you don't just learn about it, but you put it into practice. And so incredible mentors and incredible peers and friends along the way so with the with the sort of hero's journey in mind three or four wonderful mentors men and women of faith who live lives of integrity of mission of insight um a wonderful band of of young adults who were who were really passionate about jesus and and many remain friends now 20 20 years later and so we did urban in the city sort of kids and youth ministry we lived on the council estates i met my wife in the the apprenticeship year out and so really that first 10 years was a fast track and a real privilege of living within a missional culture and, and missional discipleship was the norm not something you read about or hoped for or sort of, of let live towards and, and then the last 10 years has then been really the discerning of that prize so i think probably in my 20s it was I'm going to, like every other 20-year-old, I'm going to go change the world for Jesus. Um, and I think probably just learning, discerning, three children, living on council estates, living and, and leading through different kind of eras of change in, in me, my personal development. I think now the prize for me is to, is to release, I talk about releasing potential and sparking movements. That They're probably the two things that I come back to. So whether that's releasing potential in, a person, a family, a church, a team, whether it's releasing potential to help somebody write a book, communicate a vision, start a business, plant a church, mm. and, and whether that's released potential in a, in a city, a, a culture, even a country at points, it's exciting to journey through. And so there's something for me about that releasing God-given potential. That's yeah. one, of the, one of the kind of elements of the prize. And then the other is sparking movement. Um, I, I've, I've, one of my dreams is to, to change the world and nobody know my name. And that, that sense, that's something that I felt like God said to me in a prayer time a long, long time ago. And it's just, it stayed with me. So, so that the sort of antithesis of the, the solo heroic leader or the celebrity leader to, to actually say, how, how do I become a guide for many heroes rather than be, be a hero? So in one sense, this, the, the, the hero's journey is a, is a sort of, ironic piece for me because it feels like 
my hero's journey, if I was pushed, would be to become a guide to others. Um, and in that, that, that heroic quest is to see others release potential, spark movements and, and change the world, really. So 20 years in, I, I feel like I've probably experienced two, three or four sort of missionary journeys of four, five, six years. So it feels like this sort of mini hero journey sort of out across the threshold into the valley, struggle, challenge to come towards prize. You, you get somewhere, you pause and then, and then you go again. So yeah, release potential, spark movements, um, Michael B. Jordan. And yeah, we're, we've, uh, we've been in, in Edinburgh now for five years. So, so one of our missionary journeys has, has to come here to help a, a city church with their vision for Edinburgh and, and Scotland. And then the, the other piece is, is leading a, a charity called Catalyze Change that has numerous initiatives. So 5Q, Creo, Movement Leaders Collective, working in different ways with network leaders, movement leaders, writers, entrepreneurs to help, help them release potential. That's brilliant. Thank you, mate. There's, uh, it's a different kind of leadership than often gets put out there in what you've just described. It reminds me of that verse in Ecclesiastes when it says there was like this guy who, who uh, saved the city and nobody knew he'd done it. And I remember years ago actually being at a conference, a huge conference in the US, where Erwin McManus was speaking. And it was one of these things where you, I'm sitting there thinking, I'll be honest, oh, man. I'd love to be speaking to a crowd this size. I'd love to be as cool as Erwin McManus. And he's like awesome preacher. And this is fantastic. And then he quoted that verse and basically said, how many of us would be willing to be that guy who saved the city and nobody knew who he was. Mm -hmm. And at the time I have to say, I kind of thought, well, not me. <laughs> I so, so to yeah. hear, and I, th I wonder if there's a generational thing. I mean, you know, I wonder if there is something whereby mm. there's a different. There's like there, there was a thing. You know, I'm not saying everybody. I know there's all kinds of people way more humble than me, and and you know, it's something God's still dealing with. <laughs> but but effectively, there's that. And I suppose it's more for the you know, from my perspective, it was like if I can kind of do something that makes a mark, then other people see that, and then basically you yeah. can kind of. You can grow others because you've grown yourself and you've grown your influence and all those kind of things. So it wasn't, I, I hope it wasn't sort of too just twisted up with human pride <laughs> and ambition. But, but is, you know, that's interesting. That came out of a time of prayer for you and that the way to influence others isn't necessarily just to become influential, but there's a different way of influencing, I suppose. And uh, where do you think that really came from, that different way of looking at it? Was it what you saw yeah. or was it just, you know? Yeah, great, great question. And, and I would say the health warning that I would give is that it, it isn't, isn't always a natural resting state for me. So I, I would probably be very similar in one degree to you, Anthony, of there's definitely a, a little boy in me that wants to be in the spotlight and score the last minute goal and be on the stage. So there, there's definitely in me that drive and desire. And I think that, why it stayed with me is because it because it came through prayer so it was almost a sort of a, a prophetic rudder for my apostolic energy almost so that that apostolic drive i have to pioneer create innovate new frontiers new possibilities it it, it almost just 
in my darker days reminds me that this is for God rather than just in my own strength. Mm. And in my lighter days is, is a sort of a compass or a bearing that helps me to, to, to frame what I do. So yeah, I wouldn't want anyone to listen and think, think that's a natural space and a a natural state for me. It definitely is a a God given word that I've, I've wrestled to own and I will continue to to wrestle to own. Um, Yeah. I, I think I, I've had the, the, pleasure and privilege and pain of, of seeing lots of leadership up close. Um, I'm not perfect. No, no person is perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. So I think, yes, I've, I've picked and learnt and, and observed and been apprenticed and, and instructed by numerous different styles of leadership. So somewhere I've said, I definitely want to be like that and others that I've seen and I've said, I definitely don't want to be like that. And, and there'll be people that I lead that, that have both of those responses to me. Um, so I, I, no way would I, I kind of put myself above or beyond and any of that. So I think for me, it's, I've, yeah, I've had the privilege of probably three or four great leaders around me that have, have really modeled humility and, a win for you is a win for me as a leader, that there's an influence that comes relationally. And and I think to your comment, I think the combination of inspiring people by your example, Mm. but making sure that that inspiration doesn't become disempowering for them Mm. or helps them to sort of abdicate responsibility and just leave it to you. I think that's the thing where, where inspiration can inspire action in others it's a win where inspiration inspires applause in others and they stand and watch and applaud and leave you to it. That that's the, that's the sort of, it's a very, very fine line. So partly I think it's prophetic. So it's, it's owning that God wants this for me, that he said this to me partly. Yes. It's, it's healthy and unhealthy models around me that I've picked up. Um, and partly I think it, it probably is to some degree a generational thing. So I, I would be, the penultimate most sociologists would put me in terms of age as the the penultimate year of gen x so i am at the bottom end of gen x and and would be a a sort of two years beyond an early millennial so there there definitely is something in me of a desire to build i i kind of have the the slightly more gen x step back critique the world's out to get me and i have some of the millennial I want to change the world and rebuild from the rubble. And so there's definitely a little bit of both of those dynamics in me to say, I don't, I want to build with others. So that Nehemiah piece of the different families and units building the wall together, that it was a, it was a wonderful effort, a communal effort that there's the, the book is named after one person, but the book doesn't happen without numerous hands, feet, hearts, energy and effort as a, as a communal effort, definitely. So one thing I've observed um, in various settings with you, learning communities I've been a part of and have uh, sort of worked uh, to some extent with you on, is that you're great at, at questions. So it must, in some way, for you to, it's, it's quite nice actually to put you in the in the hot seat and ask you some questions because i think you you know you're really great at drawing out from others um what's inside of them or what god has put inside of them i know very grateful to you, you've coached emma who's my daughter but also runs new thing for western yeah. europe and 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 i know part of what you've done with her has helped her to in the same way facilitate groups and and kind of coach yep. by questions so 
So I was, therefore, I was thinking, oh, when I'm going to be putting questions to Rich, it's going to be difficult. So I thought, well, what I'm going to do is enlist you in this. So my next question is, what's the next question? What, ne what question should I ask Rich Robinson now? Oh, good question. Good question. Um, I, I think, I, I think it, the mark of a good question, I would say, has two, two sides to it. What, one is more encouraging, inviting. One is more challenging. So a, a good question should either inspire something that's hidden. So invoke a, a curiosity, a passion, something that uncovers uh, a latent potential or a, an unspoken dream so it calls something out that they they pursue in the answer they pursue something that perhaps wasn't known seen aware or the other side of a question is is asking something that somebody wants to remain hidden so it's either unearthing something that needs to be unearthed mm. that they want to unearth so it's a passion a vision a hope or a good question actually helps them to go deeper in terms of reflection, introspection, process awareness that they may not like. So, so I would say some of the, the questions that I don't like but need to be asked are, do you need to slow down and think about this? Um, do you need to do this or should somebody else do this? Um, is this the right thing at the right time? Because I know myself well enough to know that pace isn't always one of my strong suits so questions around are you are you going too quick is this too early are you pushing too hard is is all any question in that bracket is always a good one um and also my instinct to to want to do things to be active to want to help to want to be in the middle of things again any question on have you just instinctively said yes are you just in it without thinking are you there so so there's questions on that side that i don't like but need to be asked and then the, the flip side i think is it, for me the questions around uh, what what are you dreaming about what are you reading what are you thinking about my my brain is is often going at a 100 miles an hour in 100 directions of possibility probability learning um so there's lots of different different things there of I, I love those kind of questions to dream and scheme and plan and hope and uh, kind of conjecture, vision, inspiration with people. That those kind of conversations I love. So that those conversations always start with a, an open-ended question, of a sort of a what if or a what about or what could be question. I love those kind of questions. It's good. So what kind of questions are you finding yourself asking leaders at this time because obviously we're in a time that is questioning us yes. you know, yep. questions are coming at us left right and center in terms of the church our place in it what leadership even looks like um in going forwards and how we engage with that so um in order to not necessarily give people i, I don't think you're somebody i've never really seen you so much as somebody who's going around saying oh here's the answer do this do this do that that's not you yeah but you help people to find, well, it's, it's the whole, rather than telling them what to think, you're teaching them how to think. What kind of questions now, if, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a church leader, obviously, but, you know, what, asking me, I'm not saying I'll give you the answer, but, but what kind of questions are you using at the moment that's helping bring that invitation or challenge to some and so people who are now listening to this podcast, you know, you've got some time with them sitting across a the table, they're 
figuring out, trying to think of the future and, and, and what it looks like. What kind of questions might you want to say to them? You could really be pondering these kind of questions in in this time. What sort of thing would that look like? Yeah, no, I, I, really good questions. And I, I think probably a, cu- a couple. So one one would be just what I always try to do is to is to find frameworks that are memorable because then they take your conversation with them and they have that conversation with others. So if it's convoluted, confusing, long, mm. they enjoy the conversation with you and then it's, it's gone and lost. So whether that's, so I would use language intentionally in that space. So whether that's alliteration, whether it's two or only two or three words that people catch and capture and remember, whether it's a picture. Mm. Um, so, so some of the language we've been using at the moment is where do you need to persevere pivot or pioneer so persevere you keep so you keep the it's the right way of thinking and the right way of being so in in our in whenever we see a situation it's the way that we think about it which is our paradigm our thinking our our belief about that situation and our worldview and then it's also our our practice our activity our behavior is what we do so it's how we think about it and how we act in it so where do you need to persevere, which is maintain your belief and behavior? So we're doing, we, we've got, we're on track, we've got the right vision, right principles, and we've got the right vehicle strategy. So we need to persevere, hold the line. Where do we need to pivot, which is keeping the principle and the way of thinking, but actually changing our practice. So doing something differently. Mm. Um, So it's the same principle, same vision, but maybe a different strategy, different vehicle. And where do we need to pioneer, which is a new way of thinking and a new way of, of being and and behaving. So actually there's, there's not in these situations, it's not always a sense of throw out the kitchen sink, rewrite everything, start again. There's actually sometimes where it's a, we need to do this in COVID, through COVID and past COVID. We, we need to hold the line, stay, keep the direction of travel. This is the right thing to do to persevere. There's some things where we say, yeah, we, we still need to do small groups, but actually are the way that we do small groups, we need to pivot. And, and obviously there's one giant pivot from on the ground to online, but mm. there are other smaller, more subtle pivots. And so it's the same principle, but just done slightly differently in practice. And then there are other situations where actually there's a, there's a brand new response. Um, so, so the fact that I love and I, I trot out is that Nutella was invented in the Second World War because of rationing. So without the restriction and the constraint of rationing, mm. nobody would have been creative enough to make hazelnut chocolate spread. Oh, and so I know, hallelujah, that, praise God for rations. Yeah, but but it's that... On my porridge this morning. Well, there, there you go, Anthony. So, so that is a, it's a creation oh. that came, the creation that came through constraint. And so that, that sense of pressure and constraint can actually fuel innovative thinking and so everything doesn't need to be new in lockdown, but some things can be. So, so one of the questions we just ask is, where do you need to persevere, hold the line? Where do you need to pivot, do something slightly differently? And where do you need to, to pioneer and actually trial something new and have a go, have a go at pushing, pushing the envelope? And then the other question which I asked before COVID and will continue to ask is, is what is God saying to you and what are you doing about it? So just very simply being aware through words, 
body and spirit. So what's God saying to you through the Bible, mm. through his people, by, by his Holy Spirit? What, what is he saying? What's he sparking? What's he revealing? What's he encouraging? What's he challenging? And then how does that word become flesh? What's your response? Because at, at the lowest sort of, or the smallest unit, if we are following God and embodying his words to us, most of the rest of the stuff is is manageable downhill and we've got we've got at least a running start to face some of those challenges right it's good so i'm going to add that p onto your three p's and put porridge yeah because <laughs> uh, i'm a i'm a big porridge fan i have to say I, I i have to admit there are mornings i know i should wake up and always be the, the lord be my first thought and i do want that but sometimes <laughs> I have to porridge I, I wake up and i'm like oh porridge i'm gonna get i'm gonna make porridge but um that i mean that may that may be unusual is there anything unusual that um you know something that you do that other that, that you think is and i also I, I have to have porridge there's a particular kind of porridge it's flavorhans it's the best and and it and i i like to cook it a particular way and i like it with honey and i like it with a bit of cinnamon and bananas and blueberries and a little bit of nutella and then that is like the the porridge of you know that will be served in heaven so I'm, I'm 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 is there anything like you do that other people might think is slightly peculiar or weird i'm not saying that is necessary that's just me but you know what what the is just what's normal for you but somebody else might say oh that's a bit weird somebody something you think something you do anything like that uh i i have a particular so similar similar to you in the porridge mm. i have a particular preferred design of mug that my wife and my family think are is strange so they so i i like a big chunky mug it needs to have a thick a thick handle i it's almost a pint and a, a pint and a half of coffee in a mug and, and that, um, they don't even let you keep those mugs they throw them out does that i know yeah and and they purchase small thin china ones that yeah, yeah, just yeah, feel feel like a thimble i think that that this is like an this is an apex thing this is this is there's something going on here because I think we are a similar profile in some ways. We, we are. Talk about that in a moment. But I'm I'm like fully tracking with you on the big mug thing. It's like if I'm going to make a cup of tea, I want it to be big enough to have been worth making. And yes. to from I don't want a little thing that yeah. So absolutely, that's not weird. Just oh good. I, that makes I, you I feel better. You in the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> be free be free be free be free that, that word that's been spoken over you is not you know I, I i declare you free in the name of jesus of that amen so, i uh, receive it <laughs> so <laughs> so we just i mean i mentioned this thing apest and I, I know we know what we're talking about but sometimes these things can be kind of come in inside the language etc yeah i know yep. it's something that you alan and others and this tell us you know 5q we you, you mentioned these things earlier which again, yep. for me, very influential, helpful, and continue to be as we think about the future of the church. We, you know, it's really going back to the biblical um, yes. uh, framework of the church. It's not like here's a new thing. It's yep. actually how do we do real church? Um, but A P E S T, 
just give us a run through. What does that involve? What, what does it actually mean in a, in a practical way people can get hold of it? It's overt in Ephesians 4, 1 to 16, and then it's, it's covert and spread and throughout the life and leadership of Jesus and throughout scripture. So it, it's talking about a, and giving a picture of maturity. So Paul is painting a picture of this prize. So the hero's journey, his prize, his greener pasture that he paints in Ephesians 4 is this sense and this picture of, of maturity foundation of unity and and honestly if if we as the church lived ephesians 4 1 to 6 and dwelt in unity again most other things we'd we'd have a fighting chance with and we'd be uh, we'd be fine so it paints a picture of a foundation of unity this diversity that's expressed through the apostolic the prophetic the evangelistic the shepherding the teaching so a p e s t and it talks of what what paul talks about is that these this is gifted as dynamics to the body for the purpose of maturity. So this prize is unlocked by this diversity. So a foundation of unity, the gift of diversity. So difference is built into the system. Mm. So it's sort of like sand that, that the grit brings out this oyster um, and this prize and this pearl of, of maturity. So really what, what Alan Hirsch and myself and, and others are doing is almost something that's been hidden in plain sight so most most people have seen it know something of it um what we're what we're looking at as we engage churches as leaders is to say this it starts and ends with jesus so actually if you if you want to see the apostolic so the apostolic being innovation design future frontier the the pushing generative and in kind of ingenious form to push forward. If you want to see that perfected and modeled, you look at Jesus, the, mm. the prophetic, that, that covenant faithfulness to God and that index to the margin, the poor, the lonely, the widow, the orphan. If you want to see the prophetic, the sort of compass um, of the church, you see that perfectly expressed in Jesus. The evangelistic is about good news, mm. sharing of faith, embodying of faith, extending the kingdom through word and deed. Again, if you want to see the perfect evangelist or evangelism, you look at Jesus. Shepherding, the good shepherd, love, care, relational wholeness, re relational reconciliation, community with integrity and authenticity. Again, you look at the good shepherd, Jesus. Yeah. Teaching, wisdom applied and integrated into everyday life so not just the teacher and the preacher and so we're looking at apest as five marks of jesus and his thumbprint on every believer and his thumbprint on every community so the the, ch the church and a church and so we're using apest as a way to frame discipleship to frame leadership and to frame community to give us a picture and a prize of maturity. So yeah, not a, not a new thing, not a, a quick fix, a silver bullet, a, a set of vehicles or a system, but more a, a Jesus centric biblical worldview to look at maturity for discipleship, maturity for leadership, maturity for, for church, community and church. So that's fantastic. So, so if I'm like running St. Bloodwind's church and, DC and, and it like COVID's happened and we don't know what we're doing really going forwards and we want to have some services but you know can we just sort of look around and basically say well this guy he's like an entrepreneur so he'll be the apostle we'll call him apostle bill and then she's lovely and worshipful and everything let's call phyllis the prophet and then he once led somebody to the lord so he's the evangelist 
and, and you just sort of like you just give people a, a, a you know is it is it I mean is it like Myers Briggs is it like a personality type or what you know what's going on because I, I think these are some of the I, I hopefully yeah. you know that I know this isn't what it is but I'm I'm just sort of these are, I think there's mis, misconceptions and sometimes people love a label and a bit of a well yes. I, I'm I'm apostle somebody. Oh what yeah. How do what what what? How does it how does it actually work out in in a in a in a local church setting? What can you do to 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 see that that maturity happen? And and what are the what can go wrong with it? I suppose as well. Yeah. Oh, there's 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 lots that can go wrong, Anthony, and lots of misinformation, misappropriation, misunderstanding. Definitely. So we would very clearly and and overtly and quite proactively say. Uh, apest is not an excuse it's not a box it's not a title so it's not an excuse so if if you're more apostolic and you see potential and future and innovation just because you're more apostolic it it's not an excuse to not love people or or read scripture or or share your faith if you're more prophetic it's not an excuse to to not be grounded in scripture if you're more evangelistic and want to go share your faith with the world it's not an excuse to not not turn up at church and not be part of a christian community so it's not an excuse for your weakness or immaturity it's it's not a box it's not a you're one of the five and you wear a t-shirt and forever you shall be kind of all the apostles over here all the prophets over there yeah exactly it's not one it's not forever it's a dynamic combination of all five of these because again and we'll go on to why in in a minute um and it isn't a title it's not a, a sort of spiritual hierarchy so so the only person that has titles is jesus mm. so even even paul paul writes of himself as paul an apostle he doesn't he doesn't call himself apostle paul mm. um we we've given him that title so absolutely when you hear people or see people using it as an excuse for for immaturity or brokenness as a title to elevate or a box to put themselves or others in then that that for us wouldn't be a a correct whole mature expression of, of this truth so it's far more than that and and again a couple of things that we talk about we talk about systems thinking not strengths thinking so strengths thinking is i maximize my strengths and i'm the best and so when we think about these five dynamics the, the graces of jesus gifted to the church and and marking us as disciples i i am more more strong and my worldview is wired by apostle and evangelist so the way that i see the world the way that i think about it what i champion what i complain about is more around innovation scale change and potential the a Mm. and sharing good news being good news storytelling connecting engaging with people e Mm. now if i just say i'm going to be the best apostle evangelist ever or i put my apostle evangelist t-shirt on and i'm never anything else if if my family or my friends or my community need me to care or need me to train and teach or need me to know what God's saying, then I can't just go, I've outsourced those other three functions to somebody else. Because the danger there is with that strength thinking is we can form Christ into our likeness. We have a, a sort of a pick and mix Jesus of, oh, look, Jesus looks just like me. How amazing is that? Who knew? Um, whereas actually if we do systems thinking, all five of these are interconnected and interplay and interdependent. So actually, 
if if I'm strong, my right I'm right-handed, so my right hand is AE. So when somebody comes towards me pre-COVID, without social distancing, um, I would I would reach to shake their hand with the with my right hand. I reach towards the world with my AE. Mm. But if I turn to my other side and try and shake them left-handed, it, it feels slightly contorted. And that's my prophet shepherd. They're my lower two of the five. You're never in the scouts then? Never in the scouts. No, exactly. No, I, was, I, joined, I played Cubs football and then uh, my, career, my career ended. But I, it was more for the football than the Cubs. But don't, don't tell anyone. Hopefully there's no Cub masters listening. Um, I'll be outed. Um, but it, but the, the thing is, my, my weaker, my left-handedness, my shepherd prophet, they interplay with my apostle and evangelist so they're all interconnected i need to love people i need to listen to god i need to be in prayer i need to embrace social justice i need to embrace reconciliation and so these are five marks of every disciple rather than a personality type where we are one or two all five are present in in a beautifully unique and dynamic combination so in you in me and everyone these are the five faces of Jesus that we get to see and we find ourselves as we look at the face of Jesus. And so the, the second half of life, often you find in the first half of life, people are, are emphasizing and maximizing their strengths. The second half of life, that, that maturity to, to lean into those weaknesses, those darker sides, that the left-handedness is actually a, a real sign of a, a mature disciple. So I I know of you, Anthony, we've had the conversation of being, being well-rounded. You know yourself well enough to know your strengths, but also to be aware of your weaknesses and to both to grow and discipline and develop yourself in them and have others speak into them. And so there's an awareness there for you. So I think where we make it a personality profile, where we make it just one I think we reduce down the work of Christ in us as disciples. And then on a communal setting and a communal front, so as a team or as a church. So for the church, you're not just naming individuals as Bill the Apostle and Ethel the Prophet. You're you're actually saying, how do we as a church express the apostolic? So how do we express some innovation embrace some risk try some new things stretch out how do we as a church become more prayerful and become good news to those on the margins how do we as a church be good news and so within those five functions so the activities of a group rather than an individual there will be one or two people that are are more right-handed in the apostolic and the prophetic evangelist so there'll be those that can champion and push and and be sort of cheerleaders and catalysts but the church needs to embrace those five functions to become more christ-like the body growing up to to reflect the head rather than just the, the shadow of the leader or there's one or yeah. two things we do well that's good so like when pressure comes i'm thinking like now if you're a church that and i think the you know from reading what you guys put out there in various ways thinking about the forgotten ways book etc that the 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 church in the west has predominantly become shepherd teacher yep that, that now the danger can be you lean into your strengths so therefore because of covid and all that kind of thing you can just think let's keep looking after how do we care for the ones we've got and how do we sort of yep. teach our way through this and etc so we've got to find some way of meeting in order to just do that whereas it seems that actually 
the, a roundedness from what you said would be to you know to, to lean into some of the other things yeah. more and more Where, but how you know at the same time is that how how do we encourage that how you know how do we encourage leaders to to be into that because I, I mean i'll be honest i don't see that many churches that are too ape you know yep. two apostle prophet evangelist and etc i mean you get they don't last that's why a lot of them if, if you yeah. like that basically you can start like that you can do two years and then everything yeah yeah then you know so yep. yeah <laughs> but but like now we've got a lot of churches that are you know for the very best one in the world you've got to get, get people who've been trained to be a pastor a, you know whatever yes. you want to call it a vicar and the, the job is look after care for the ones you've got don't you know oh that person's not feeling well go and visit them let's then and, and that's really important and that person's is the sheep that's on the outside so go and make sure you round them all up and all those kind of things but but you know how if it's my contention would be that's not enough how can we grow if that's not if you know if if you feel like if somebody's listening to this or watching this and thinking that's not me though i'm I, i'm just yep. i am a shepherd I just care about the ones I've got. I've got these amount of people. These are the flock that God has given me. I'm going to be faithful to them. Yep. What would we, you know, is there anything wrong with that? What, you know, what's yeah. the... And so we are creatures of the overswing. So where we are swung towards shepherd teacher, the day, one of the dangers is, we overswing the other way and we just emphasize APE to the detriment of shepherd teachers. As you said, Anthony, two or three years in, the energy that's generated there is pretty combustible. Mm. The danger is we don't swing at all and we double down on our shepherd teacher and, and keep it. And whether it's a twofold system or a threefold system, neither of those are the fullness of Christ. We need fivefold. So we need to continue shepherd teacher absolutely so do we need to care to connect to bring wholeness yes do we need to teach preach train equip yes but we have to embrace to to reconcile to bring back into the fold and then help them to stretch the fold the the evangelistic the prophetic and and the apostolic so we need five not two or not three definitely um how do we do that that takes bravery it takes courage and honestly the two things that i've seen that bring bravery and courage more than anything are a community around you and the conviction of god so there's a there's a word of faith a sense of conviction compulsion of i don't fully understand it i've not been trained for it but god's in this i I need to step step out stretch out and try Mm. um and any visionary leader, they're lying if they said they have a beautiful, clean, manicured roadmap of this is exactly how it's going to work and where it's going to go. It's it's a conviction of God and then the courage to step into that. Just take the first step in the hero's journey. It's across the threshold. If we think of Psalm 23, it's actually the path of righteousness leads into the valley of the shadow of death. Mm. So any visionary leader, you go through the valley to get to the mountaintop, through the desert, to get to the promised land. So there's a conviction that the promised land is worth the the desert, the greener pasture is worth the the valley. And there's a community. We're braver together and we don't survive alone. And so one one of the greatest sadnesses I see at the moment is many leaders feel isolated, 
they either feel like they are competing or they are competing with others. So that sense of collegiate, collaborative, peer, it is not there for a lot of leaders. And so it's hard to do it on your own. It's hard to, to keep pulling, pulling people with you or pushing ahead of people or getting around the back. So I, I would say, what do people need? They, they need the, the conviction of God and they need a community of fellow, fellow travelers, fellow explorers. And some of those are outside experts and guides that will help them that have journeyed before. Some of them are, are friends and peers who are just half a breath ahead or in the same same phase and same stage so it's not necessarily just functional equipping that you need it's yeah. it's friends and fellow travelers definitely so obviously we're part of new thing um here at ivy and get some of that through that but i've also been privileged to be part of what you guys have done like a movement leaders connect uh, connecting in, in new york and originally and then recently again had to do it online but there's things that you are doing um, to help people find appropriately, if it's right for them, some yeah. people who are asking the same sort of questions, but not necessarily all coming up with the same answers, but getting coming up with their, their answers for their situations. And, and there's an international, you know, gathering of that too. Cause I think, yeah, you think about your area, but at the same time, you're not going to find all the answers there. You know, and I know that part of one of the things um, that the, 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 there's this senior's idea that you guys yep. talk about. Is that what? Why don't you explain what? I think you might have even made the word up, but you know that's all. <laughs> yeah, no, we 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 can't didn't make the word up, but but definitely can't claim the credit. So, um, Brian Brian Eno, who's a, a a British British musician, coined the phrase. So he he was an art student, and as he studied through history my paraphrase would be what he saw was every great man or woman in the in the media and the arts world we remember the hero we remember the genius that the picasso the mozart the beethoven that whoever but what he discovered was that there was a scene them produced that genius so it was never a lone genius and so it was it was a hub a culture a scene that produced that beautiful sort of breakthrough and history is peaked with these kind of insights breakthrough innovation change and so we we put the person we're now in i mean there has yeah. to be more opportunity for that kind of thing in now than there has been for oh. Absolutely, absolutely, and so and so the genius is the genius of the scene. So you replace the G E of genius with S C E for scene. So it's it is that kind of the genius, the collective genius is probably or collective intelligence is is the phrase that I'm using. Mm -hmm. uh, is there more opportunity? Yes. Is there more needs? Yes. Because I would say even I mean even six months ago when the terrain is more known you can be efficient you can take other people's answers put it into practice you can plan and so you can pretty much build some steady momentum mm -hmm. with an, an idea or somebody else's answer right now the terrain is so uncertain the culture the climate is so uncertain we have to be adaptive rather than efficient mm -hmm. we have to be innovative rather than just kind of tactical um and so we need each other so that the world is is it's it's volatile it's interconnected it's ever-changing and so mm. yesterday's answer or december what worked on january the 15th unlikely to work on june the 15th very unlikely to work 
January 2021. So we can't take even probably last year's answers at the moment. There's there's principles that transcend COVID absolutely, but we have to we need each other to be adaptive and to to be innovative at the moment. There's no one person, one organization, one system, one one silver bullet right now. We we need each other to be able to it almost for me is a picture of each of us having a, a piece of glass that we put together to create a mosaic. They're all sort of jagged and different pieces, but coming together they form something. And and I think that goes back to some of the prize for me of a, a collective adventure, not just a a personal ministry and not not just one at the center but many many together working it through and, and releasing potential together so last question for me unless there's anything that you want think i've missed or you want to bring in but would be around i know that you're also involved with this thing is it creo and it's the it's the yeah. idea of social entrepreneurship which is still for my you know i don't see that in any way separate from the church it's the church mm. it's out uh, yep. you know, being the the ecclesia and affecting yep. the city entrepreneurship that goes beyond the walls of how we think about church so what what's that involving tell us tell me some more about what that involves and how we can discover more about this creo what's yeah it's great so so creo creo is to create and the the process and the aim is to help christian entrepreneurs grow with a social impact vision or venture so it's integrated faith it's their faith making a difference in the world mm. um, and so we, we want them to develop their christ likeness and their character so we don't want them to be an incredible entrepreneur change the world and lose their faith mm. but we we also want to grow them in their capacity and competency in terms of entrepreneurship so we also don't want a wonderful godly christian who's bankrupt or has a wonderful idea that doesn't doesn't get off the whiteboard by faith yes exactly it's like there's it's you're wonderful but and so that that balance of you we don't want successful we don't want lovely we want both in intertwined and so what we're doing is we've created a, an online experience to engage content so it's a asynchronous you can listen and watch whenever so it's a sort of if you imagine a netflix platform with numerous experts in their field eight to 12 minute TED talks around a particular topic with then some interviews. So there's nine different sections that we feel every Christian entrepreneur needs to engage with. And in these nine sections, there's numerous videos that, that you can watch. There's some coaching and training from, from mentors and guides, experienced entrepreneurs with different skill sets. And then there's a sense of that there's a collective and, and the sense there is of many entrepreneurs feel lonely they, they have a vision, but don't necessarily feel like they have the, the resources or the networks or the, the connections to, to make it happen. So actually connecting entrepreneurs together, we're, we're braver together, more courageous together, just helps to inspire, encourage and resource them. So there's content, there's coaching and there's a collective. And really, for me, it goes back to the releasing potential. So the Movement Leaders Collective is releasing potential in a, a movement leader or a network leader. 5Q is releasing potential in a church leader in a church and creo is releasing potential in a in a christian entrepreneur so they they're this they're three different initiatives that have that same same heart and i i feel and time time may prove me wrong but i think i feel and i see this this nehemiah need that actually in the next six months to six years there's a there's a rebuilding of the city walls that that we as christians we don't have sole agency or responsibility to do that but but 
we will be doing it alongside many other people, many other agencies, but we as Christians and we as the church need to be a, an agency that rebuilds, that is good news, that brings social transformation, city transformation, and actually is good news to our city. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, there's a call and an opportunity there. And I think many millennials have that integrated worldview of my my faith my work my my money time and efforts who i am sunday is the same as monday and the difference i make i want to make a difference in the world and so that that sense i think they that's the the front end of the next season for the the church at large i would say yeah because the evidence seems to be that the groups that are least engaging now even with your most cutting edge online church is the millennials who are who are less so because they want in, like you say, still to change the world and they see the world needs changing even more. Yes. And, and the doing church, watching church, etc., isn't going to cut it very long for them. So no. And, and I think I, I, I think there's that we have wonderful heritage in the UK and, and I'm now based up in Scotland. So that the, the Celtic heritage, the monastic heritage of prayer community and work almost three overlapping circles not three distinct circles i i think that's the mark that pe- they want a deep spirituality mm-hmm. and so the the john mark comers of the world and others would speak to that deep authentic spirituality um they millennials and others want relational integrity and authenticity they want that connection they want to be collaborative they they don't want to be a lone superstar they want they want the collectives and work they want to do things that are meaningful that make a difference it it isn't just a, a sort of a benefits package and a bonus package that that inspires that generation that they, they want and need and desire purpose and social transformation so uh, in that monastic heritage i think is probably a, a spirituality that will will increasingly return as as three marks in terms of prayer community and and work that i i think will come come to the fore again definitely through covid so good do you have like a verse i mean it seems you've got um you know there's a similar thread keeps coming through just as we wrap up in terms of what your passion for is for it really is about seeing other people flourishing and you know in different ways i wonder if you've probably got a bunch of them but you know i have (laughs) first but is there one that for you sort of in some way encapsulates any of this you've never put that down yeah, so five, five words just just before the calling of Simon Peter um, is he's Simon Peter, experienced fisherman, getting getting fishing advice from a builder. Jesus is giving him advice of where where and when to throw his net, and he says, "But because you say so," mm. and that that's a verse. I would say there's so so many others, but for me that encapsulates discipleship it encapsulates christian leadership it 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 is who i want to be is whether i understand this or not whether i have any experience or not any agency or not whether i think i know what to do or not i want my response to be but because you say so and that that necessitates both knowing what jesus is saying and having the courage to to step out and embody that so yeah it's a little, little verse hidden at the start start of luke Nice. Great. Well, Lord, thank you for Rich. Lord, thank you that you've got him and Anna and their family on a great journey, Lord, of following you and just of, um, of helping others to flourish. And Lord, just pray that as, as he keeps on being challenged by you to keep throwing the net out, 
in sometimes in the places where it doesn't even look like there's any fish that um, he's going to keep finding the nets bursting because he's just heard your call and he said yeah because you said so i will and and that he's uh and i pray that this thank you so much for our conversation today thank you so much to just rich here (laughs) rich there's richness lord that's come from this time and uh and i pray that uh, for anybody listening and watching in different formats that they'll be able to um, sift through what's for them, what's a now word, what's the next word that's going to help us to be ready to be that future church that you have in mind, that retains the best from the past, that continually is biblical in, its, uh, in, in terms of being rooted, but at the same time really grows and stretches out and is producing so much fruit, whatever the season the world is in. Lord, thank you for the, the trees of the kingdom which, um, which produce fruit in every season. And Lord, that's how we want to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Future Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, listen back with your team and share it. Further thoughts and resources can be found at anthonydelaney.com.